Welcome to another edition of Monday Night Best Ball here at Spike Week, where we've been hit with a flurry of news just before training camp. DeAndre Hopkins to the Tennessee Titans, some running back anger, uncomfortability, frustration from the running back. Saquon Barkley not signing an extension. Josh Jacobs not signing an extension and Tony Pollard as well. What does all this mean? How do we put it into practice in our drafts? We're going to do that tonight in a fast puppy on underdog fantasy let's do it three two one all right guys happy monday happy insane crazy Best ball in fantasy football day, week, weekend with way more news than we probably should have gotten uh, at this point right before training camp. But tonight we're going to dive into a little bit of what does the DeAndre Hopkins news mean? What does this mean with all of these running backs not very happy with their current contract situations? What's going to happen? Who's going to fall? Who's going to rise? And who should we target? How should we approach these things? And we're going to see if we can put them into practice a little bit here in the Fast Puppy. First of all, uh, welcome. Good evening, Chris. Good evening. Um, let's talk first. Let's talk first. Sup, Olaf. Let's talk DeAndre Hopkins really quick, because I think that's a, a honestly kind of one of the more straightforward ones. Um if you're looking to talk a little bit more on some of the nuances, how to approach some of these things, make sure in the description to this video, there's a link to the Spike Week Discord, which is 100% free. Anyone can join. You can hang out, chat with all the sickos all around. Thank you, Al. All is all is well. It has been storming like a mother here for like a week straight. Had another gnarly thunderstorm this afternoon. It's like every day, every like... And it's not all day. Like it was sunny and beautiful this morning. Absolutely beautiful. And then all of a sudden, poof, this afternoon for a couple hours, just gnarly, gnarly thunderstorms, severe thunderstorm warnings all around. And this has been like a week straight of it's beautiful and sunny. And then for a few hours during the day or at night, overnight, whatever, crazy, crazy, um, insane storms. Weird, weird weather. Weird weather. But what it's also weird is... What's going on in these best ball streets? Make sure you hop into the Discord and join the conversation in there, which is 24-7, 365, not just here live on YouTube. But um, with Hopkins, like I said, I think it's a little pretty pretty straightforward, actually. Um, first, let's start with DeAndre Hopkins uh, was pretty much known to be a cut or trade candidate for the longest time ever. We've pretty much known this. He was kind of tossed into... The fourth round-ish, give or take, particularly on Underdog, where we'll be drafting tonight, because the assumption was he was not going to be back with the Cardinals, right? So we're hoping that this, um, you know, a little bit older, but still very talented and effective veteran wide receiver would land somewhere, pipe-dreaming the Chiefs, the Bills, the Chargers, someone like that. And then he gets cut by the Cardinals, and... There's not really much interest, at least not in um, clearing the cap space that would be required, particularly for someone like the Chiefs, who had very little cap space uh, to sign and pay the amount of money that DeAndre Hopkins wanted to pay or wanted to uh, be paid. 
it's a funny thing about these, something to keep in mind and something I try to keep in mind anytime we have situations like this, which we'll get to with the running backs here in a second, is it's easy for us to sit back as fantasy football bros and say, look, DeAndre Hopkins has made a bunch of money. He probably wants to go somewhere and win. He'll he'll take a small amount of money just to go on the Chiefs, right? He doesn't care. But like these at the end, hey, I'm I'm these guys are still young. DeAndre Hopkins is 31. He's not 60. He's younger than me, probably younger than some of you guys or all of you guys. You only have so many years and so much, right? This money has to set him up and his family up and his, you know, his kids, kids and, you know, for lives and generations and taking a million bucks when you can get 20. It's a big freaking difference. And you're asking someone else just because, you know, we think from as fantasy football players, the guy should go to the chiefs. You're asking him to take, a million dollars or, you know, a couple million dollars as opposed to 15, 20, 12, whatever it is that uh, Hopkins got. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And so a lot of the times what we'll see is these guys still want to get paid as they should. They only get so many chances to make that much money. And uh, Hopkins still wanted to get paid uh, a certain amount that was fitting of a player of his talent and his track record. And places like the Chiefs are not able to do that. And not necessarily not able. They would have to really kick the can down the road a little bit with some money to clear the space, right? You can kind of always manipulate the cap to clear the space, but eventually you, you do have to pay the piper. And they're really trying to, uh, the Chiefs, as we saw with the Tyreek Hill move and trade, they're trying to be kind of making sure that they're like always in this championship window with Patrick Mahomes. They don't want to get a couple years down the road and be in a place with maybe the best quarterback of all time where they can't feel the contender. So they're, they're being pretty smart about it. I, I like it kind of trying to manufacture wide receiver production. All that being said, Deandre Hopkins signs with the Titans because I do think they can win. Um, not to the level of winning the Super Bowl, but that division is not very good. The Jags seem to be, uh, the Jags, you know, are the clear favorite. The betting favorite won the division last year. Seemed to be very clearly the best team. But I don't think the Jags are some flawless roster that uh, a, a team like the Titans with a head coach like Mike Vrabel, with a bunch of veterans who just won, who just had the best record in the AFC a couple of years ago. I don't think that they perceive this as a situation where they can't come out and win this division, division particularly with Ryan Tannehill back, Derrick Henry back. Um, and then you add Hopkins to Traylon Burks and Chigakonkwo. The offense looks pretty good, actually, with a with a decent offensive line. The defense um, has some some concerns, but in terms of fantasy for DeAndre Hopkins, I think it's really just kind of about net neutral for him. I think um, you're, we'll probably hear a lot about and talk a lot about really breaking down exact target shares and those kinds of things. I don't know that. Um, whether we want to say, oh, it's a 24% target share or a 28% target share, I don't know that that's necessarily worth our time. What I would say is it's definitely going to be a condensed offense. That's how the Titans operate. I think we can liken it a little bit back to the A.J. Brown, you know, A.J. Brown and Corey Davis or A.J. Brown and Julio Jones year. Certainly these players are not the exact same, and Derrick Henry is much older, and Tannehill is a little bit older. But I think in terms of how the offense operates, right, we're going to get um, – a lot that the targets are really going to flow to three guys, DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, and Chica Conquo. And, the, but they're also going to be a run heavy team. And so I think particularly on underdog, we get past say a DK Metcalf or a Debo Samuel, or, or if you, you know, 
Calvin Ridley, Amari Cooper, wherever you kind of think that cutoff line is. And I think Hopkins has been going in that range amongst the Christian Watsons and Keenan Allens and Terry McLaurin's and Drake London's. It's a big wide group of wide receivers there. And I think ultimately he still just kind of belongs to be, it belongs right there. Same kind of spot he has been going. It's certainly not a like, you know, if he did land on the Chiefs, we'd probably be talking about second round DeAndre Hopkins and, and what do we do with him there as the alpha, you know, wide receiver with uh, Patrick Mahomes, but that is not what we're at. But he's still, um, while fading a little bit as a 30 and 31 year, 30 or 31 year old wide receiver is just going to do. Um, he's not total peak Houston DeAndre Hopkins or year one on Arizona DeAndre Hopkins, and he is in a run heavy offense. And so he is going to command his fair share of targets. I think the Titans offense is um, going to be totally fine. And the defense in particular, the pass defense is quite bad. And so, you know, they are going to run through Derrick Henry, but I think we could see some, you know, shootouts uh, in, in Tennessee games. And so DeAndre Hopkins, I think as the lead wide receiver and the lead pass game weapon on the Titans in this early fourth round is about where, where I think he deserves to be kind of where he's been. So it would be fun to say, Oh, you, we got to move Hopkins way down because of where he signed, or we got to move Hopkins way up. But really, I think it's mostly about net neutral given where he has been going. It's certainly not the best landing spot that we could have had, but I don't think it's the worst. As Andrew says here, I think it's better. Uh, Andrew says, I think this is a better landing spot than new England. <laughs> it doesn't have to see sauce twice a year. Yeah, that that's, that's fair. I try not to factor wide receiver cornerback matchups too much into particularly uh, my season long and best ball analysis, but, you know, the New England division, having to play Buffalo, having to play uh, the Jets defense, uh, Miami, not super scared of the Miami defense, but um, the division is certainly a better draw for him. And I think, you know, Tennessee, for whatever we want to say about them, has kind of proven to be um, when they have a certain num- uh, requisite amount of talent on the offense to be a, a totally capable offense. And so I think it's about net neutral for DeAndre Hopkins. I actually think the two, uh, maybe three guys that I do want to mention with Nuke that are maybe I have a little bit of a different perception in terms of how, uh, what, how it impacts them. This signing in Tennessee is, uh, we'll start with Traylon Burks. I I think we're going to see a decent fall from, from Traylon Burks. And I don't really think that that is uh, appropriate. I think that this is a second year, first round pick wide receiver who is going to be in this condensed offense and something that I subscribe to that, um, you know, nothing is fool foolproof, but generally speaking, you score fantasy points by being good at the game and, or by being on a good offense, right? We see this all the time where let's take Brandon cooks as an example last year, where, we can clearly project a really heavy target share onto a player, but he's on a bad offense that is incredibly unlikely to score a lot of points because you can project a certain target share. The the season long projections and all of that can make this player look more appealing than they are because you have to give, you know, you have to put a certain amount of production onto every NFL team and you have to give it to somebody. And then you get a Brandon cooks, issue or a couple years ago, Allen Robinson on the bears where these offenses 
are just not good enough and just not efficient enough that the volume can make up for the the level of the offense. Adding good players to your offense can, of course, hurt your target share projection, and Traylon Burks is going to project for a lower target share with DeAndre Hopkins in town. Shocker. Spoiler alert. But the offense takes such a big step forward when you add really good players to it and efficient players to it that I, I, I don't really see this as a loss for Traylon Burks either. His absolutely monster seasons where he's a first-round pick next year are probably not within the range of outcomes anymore, but actually wouldn't even say that it's not in the range of outcomes. I would say that it's just much, much, much lower probability. If he's good, if he was good enough for you to draft him where he was going before, or if he was good enough for the market to say, this guy is a sixth round pick, like even like fifth round pick on under or on drafters, you know, if he was going in the fifth to the seventh round on an offense with Nick Westbrook, Akine as the wide receiver two and Kyle Phillips and concerns about the Titans tanking off the season in the second half, if he was worth that price before, He's good enough in a now probably a good offense to absolutely be worth a pick in his, you know, sixth, seventh round ADP. But I think he's going to fall. And so he's going to, he's already been someone I've been drafting, not taking a big stand on. But Traylon Burks is a guy to me who I think is going to fall. And I'm not sure that um, that's necessarily appropriate. I also think um, spinning this into the real big winner of this for me. The key takeaway, more than any one of these individual players, is if we were worried about the Titans, like I said, tanking it off, punting off the season, playing for Caleb Williams or Drake May or a top pick next year, certainly wouldn't be worried about that anymore. We've talked about that on quite a few different shows here where I don't think we actually talked about it in a very recent video where uh, myself, Silas, B. Kurt, and Trev Three of my Spike Week compadres are drafting a $555 team on DraftKings in a slow draft and breaking down all of our picks along the way in separate videos. You can find that on the channel. If you subscribe, get notified every time we post a new video there. We talked about the Titans. Um, and I, I don't think it's really in the Titans' DNA to tank off a season anyway. I don't think that's what Mike Vrabel has signed up for, uh, a rebuild. And uh, they may get forced into it eventually. But I don't think that they're ready to do that. And I think this is the greatest indicator of, like that we could possibly get, that the Titans are not interested in uh, punting it off and playing Will Levis for most of the season and right just playing the young guys. Hopkins also wouldn't come there if, uh, if they weren't going to try to win. And so what does that mean? Well, it means you, know, you certainly don't have shutdown risks for Traylon Burks, whether you did or not before. You definitely can be drafting Ryan Tannehill at the end of drafts. Now, a terrible season last year for Ryan Tannehill, of course, Sands, A.J. Brown, kind of a mess uh, in Tennessee all around. But just two years ago, we're talking about a quarterback who's the quarterback 12 overall, produced multiple spike weeks, does have a little bit of rushing juice. It's not Justin Fields. He's not Jalen Hurts. But he ha has this sneaky little goal line rushing upside where they get down there, right? Fake it to Derrick Henry and he keeps it. Um, and now you have DeAndre Hopkins, Traylon Burks, Chigaconquo to throw the ball to, particularly, you know, off of this play action with Derrick Henry, all that fun hand in the dirt stuff. But Ryan Tannehill was going where he was going because there were concerns about him playing the whole season, not necessarily his median projection, although his median projection was a little bit sketchy 
with a Nick Westbrook Akine as a starting wide receiver. You replace that with DeAndre Hopkins. All of a sudden, this offense has some real talent on it. And Tannehill is a very capable quarterback, like I said, with a little bit of rushing juice that um, he's going to be a priority target for me moving forward. Maybe even in this, this draft. Zachary says, Tannehill already supported 2,000-yard seasons with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. And now Henry is older, so I'm confident that both can produce, meaning um, Traylon Burks and DeAndre Hopkins. I totally agree. We do have Chig there, who I also like this for Chig, too. Again, I would rather take a couple percentage points off of my target share for a, a talented player and give me more efficiency and more touchdown upside and a more potent offense. And so um, I think generally speaking, the Titans just overall look more appealing here for all these different reasons. Let's talk about the running backs really quickly before we pop in this, in this draft. Um, we're going to get some really major falling action. I think on, on these running backs, if you missed it, Today was the deadline for uh, the franchise tag running backs to sign an ex- uh, uh, to sign an extension of a longer term contract, and so Josh Jacobs, uh, Tony Pollard, and Saquon Barkley, all Tony Pollard will be playing this up- upcoming season. I believe he has already signed his tag, but the other two have not. And uh, both, uh, particularly Saquon, has voiced a lot of displeasure about his situation with the Giants. And Josh Jacobs, uh, everything coming out from Raiders, beat reporters, and just everything out of camp is, uh, Josh Jacobs certainly is not going to be reporting to training camp anytime soon. And so, um, from a drafting sense, I would I would start assuming that these guys are going to fall. And so... When I, before we even get into predicting how this thing plays out, I would be pushing these. If you want to get your taste of Saquon Barkley, of Josh Jacobs, um, maybe even Tony Pollard, I would start to see how far these rooms will let these guys fall and start to pick them off. Can you get fourth round? Right. Can, can, I already saw just a little bit ago, I took Saquon in the late third round. Who knows how far these guys will fall? I think different every room until it starts to stabilize and we get a little more news. Every room is going to be a little bit different, but that's opportunity for us in drafts. Assuming you want to draft, get some of these guys. I think in a tournament like this fast puppy, which is going to close, you know, is going to fill very, very shortly. If I'm trying to target these guys, it's a great time to do so. Maybe you've been fading them because of this risk and uncertainty around them. Now you're going to get the cheapest prices on those guys in the whole tournament. And it's going to fill really quickly. And so that's something I'm going to be looking to do. I don't have much Josh Jacobs. I have some Saquon. I have a good chunk of Pollard. But as these guys start to fall, this is the per- it's the perfect time to start building them into your portfolio. And that's because um, I think it's incredibly unlikely that they miss, certainly that they miss the whole season. I think that's the general sentiment you'll see that was in our Discord and maybe different folks that you follow on Twitter, there's not a lot, there's not a ton of incentive for these guys to sit out the whole year. They will uh, forfeit uh, millions of dollars in hope um, if, let's say, they were to sit out the whole season with the hope that they would sign a bigger deal in the offseason, right? They don't, you don't want to risk getting injured this year if you have a big contract coming after the season. That would be a reason to hold out. The problem is what we've now seen almost entirely across the league except for, you know, shout out to the Panthers for paying Miles Sanders a bunch of money. The league is just not, the league 
almost every team has decided running backs are not valuable and maybe they're finally catching on to something we've all known for quite some time. But it's going to be very tough for these guys to get to kind of make up this money um, that you would get paid on the franchise tag in a deal in this offseason, particularly given their age uh, and the newfound kind of league sentiment around what running backs are valued at. Um, they have some injury concerns. Saquon has already torn out, not blown out his knee before um, ankle injuries, right? Josh Jacobs didn't have a serious injury last year, but he was basically a game time decision, like the whole second half of the season. And when you rack up that kind of mileage on a running back, it's tough and it's going to be tough to really get a big contract. And so I would operate with the expectation that they play this year. However, I would not be overconfident in a, that they do play this year or B specifically how many games they play. I think they, in any situation like this, set aside analyzing the financial ramifications for these running backs and all of that. I think it's important that we don't get overconfident in our assessment of a situation. I think it absolutely makes all the sense in the world, right? When you start to, when you start to rack and stack all the potential reasons and the financial implications of this, that they would just take this money and unfortunately bite the bullet and say, look, this is what it is. It sucks, but I just have to take this money. I can't afford to lose out on, on this amount of money as a running back, given the market. But that really removes a lot of the human element of this. We can sit here and say that, right? We just talked about DeAndre Hub. We can sit here on our in our desk chair on our couch drafting basketball teams and say, if I were Hopkins, I would just go to the Chiefs for very little money, right? But that's not how these things work out all the time. Saquon, uh, in particular, has voiced his displeasure with the Giants and them kind of not rewarding him for being a key part of this team for such a long time. And you'd never know what individual humans are thinking. Saquon in particular has made up quite a bit of money already. Um, you never know if he feels really comfortable in, in his financial situation and wants to, uh, you know, be healthy to get one more contract. You never know. I don't think it would be wise for us to go in and be overconfident about exactly what's going to happen with these players because like most of these situations, we talk about this with like, or I like to talk about this with say backup running backs. People will say, well, all this, you know, uh, it should be Chase Brown in Cincinnati for all these different reasons. And that, I, I think that totally makes sense. But the team doesn't even know, you know, who is going to be Joe Mixon's backup. It could be a free agent. could be Travion Williams. could be Chris Evans. Of course, it could be Chase Brown. But the team is going to see in training camp and in the preseason, it's a camp battle, right? I don't think that Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs know what they plan to do. And they got time to figure it out. They got time to talk to their financial advisors and their family and uh, their mentors and all this stuff, right? And they don't know. So how can we be, we be that confident when those guys don't even, even know? They could skip the first part of the season. They could skip half the season. They could skip the whole season. They could report soon for all that we know. I don't think we have any real way to know it, but what we do know is how to hand, like how 
our fellow best ball drafters are going to approach it. And I think our fellow best ball drafters are absolutely going to be off these guys, <laughs> certainly at their t- costs. Saquon in the second round, Jacobs at the two, three turn. These guys are going to be big fallers. And so it's something to really take into account when we uh, are building out these teams. I think in specifically in time pockets, these drafts that are in little time pockets, like the puppies and that kind of thing, it's something we can really manipulate to our advantage. All right, before we hop into um, that kind of covers those things. Before we hop into our um, puppy draft, I did just want to pull up um, some settings that you will see here with our Spike Week draft hacker. Um, so on my screen, there's going to be a lot of, if, if you've tuned in before, you've probably seen it. So bear with me for a second. If you haven't tuned in before, you're going to see on my screen lots of different colors, lots of different settings, lots of different percentages all over the place. And I wanted to uh, bring up what I like to use personally in my drafts while I'm drafting my own specific underdog teams to help me make decisions using the draft hacker. So if you're a subscriber, once you have downloaded the uh, premium extension, right? So you sign up, there's a page how to set up the draft hacker and draft IQ under help on the website, go there, uh, get everything set up. And then you can go to the extension under Firefox and there's extension options, I believe. Yes, extension options. And then you get to select both for underdog. See here on your screen, you can select underdog specific settings, DraftKings specific settings and drafters. So it'll show whatever you pick for each site on here. For me, I highlight a, I have, I have a few different things that I do. At the top, you, you first you see, a, I want correlations to be highlighted, meaning players that play against other uh, opponents, you know, in week 17, as an example, and also teammates, right? If I have Tua, I want Waddle. To, that's a bad example. If I have uh, Jalen Hurts, I want Dallas Goddard to be highlighted in here because it's just a constant reminder like, oh, yep, remember Eagles, Eagles on this team. You got Eagles on this team. And I don't have to think. It's just showing me on the screen. And then, of course, I do list the week 15, 16, and 17 games on here. And those also highlight correlations, right, on both sides, opponents and same team. And then um, I show my overall exposure for this tournament. And you can you can select through the different tournaments, right? So if we're drafting the Fast Puppy, um, I can show my exposure for the Fast Puppy on here. But I also show my exposure overall for all tournaments. Um, again, it says tournaments that share these same rankings. So it wouldn't include... You know, if we do rookies and sophomores again, or super flex, those are excluded, but anything that has the same rankings, you know, I can see over across all these tournaments, what my exposure is to that player. Cause sometimes it's wildly different in right. Best ball mania plus puppy plus Chihuahua plus poodle versus just best ball mania. And then the last two things that I really like to show um, are my exposure to the player when I've drafted that first round pick. So let's say I drafted Cooper cup. In the first round, it's going to show me on the player list, on the board, on the queue, whatever you want to call it. There's an, there's an, it's the, the fifth number, I think it is, on my maybe fourth number on my uh, draft hacker on the screen is my exposure to that player on teams with Cooper Cup. And then the same thing on teams with that second round pick. Um, I should have said, sorry. And I also have it with my quarterback. 
uh, and you see slash pitcher here. So you can do it with the, if you draft MLB best ball teams, we have it set up for that. So you can see uh, with your first pitcher. So again, I draft Jalen hurts thereafter. I can see what fifth round wide receivers am I generally taking with Jalen hurts? Cause I don't want to fall into traps of always taking the same guys with Jalen hurts when there's not necessarily a reason to do it. Right. Uh, of course, drafting, Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard and those guys with Jalen Hurts makes more sense or even Cardinals if you're looking at week 17 but I don't want to fall into the trap of why do all my Jalen Hurts teams have Deontay Johnson on them for no reason um, and that helps me do that as as well as with the first round pick and second round pick so I wanted to pull that up because there's going to be a whole lot of stuff on the screen and it's easy with a whole bunch of numbers and colors and all that different stuff on there to get confused so I wanted to walk through that really quickly so let's go ahead and uh, let me share my screen and get into this fast puppy and see if we can't. Uh, looks like we need five people. Let me zoom in a little bit. Uh, four people. Three, one, two, zero, ten, eleven. Filled. One oh four. Beautiful. We'll call that the influencer one oh four because. Uh, just give me a top five pick, man. I mean, who doesn't want Justin Jefferson and uh, Jamar Chase? But just give me one of these top five picks. That's almost all I care about it. But again, here, so you see this the, the draft hackers up and, and running. Right now, I have it set to show Best Ball Mania exposure because that's the tournament I've drafted the most into so far. This is only my 10th fast puppy. I really, I don't think I'm going to do anymore. Um, so Best Ball Mania helps me show. But again, you see this very first percentage here if you hover over it if you have the draft hacker you can't see it here because when you're sharing your screen and you hover it doesn't show the uh uh whatever you want to call it uh i forget what the hell it's called when you hover over something but anyway tooltip doesn't show your little tooltip here but if you hover over the number right so i'm hovered over seven percent and on my screen it says tourney percentage so that's the amount that i have in best ball mania for over here second number being my overall exposure across all tournaments and then here's where my percentage with my first quarterback my percentage with my first round pick my percentage with my second round pick there um and then of course as we get through here we will show uh all sorts of other goodies team views playoff views uh for weekly winners if you have uh, uh game stacks and all that kind of fun stuff so i'm gonna take tyree kill if you use the spike week rankings, which I don't have them uploaded here, I like to draft um, off of ADP. I have Christian McCaffrey fifth overall uh, behind both Cooper Cup and Tyreek Hill. AJ Brown goes 105. Interesting. But uh, uh, I just I want to be overweight if at all possible. I, I do like Christian McCaffrey, um, but I'm comfortable being a little underweight on Christian McCaffrey. I'm not going to have zero. Um, Cause he does, as you see here, he fell, fell to the one Oh six. I'm going to have some Christian McCaffrey, but in order to get over on Tyree kill Cooper cup, Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson, I got to take those guys. And in particular, Tyree kill Cooper cup. I got to take over Christian McCaffrey. And that's what I do. That's what I do. It's like, we got an overflow draft here. Vaporware's in the overflow draft D Ross. I don't know if you're in the overflow draft, but missed. Missed this one. We'll be doing plenty more drafts along the way this off season. I assure you. Um, now I'm zoomed in too far. There we go. 
looks like fairly straightforward first round here in the fast puppy. I'm interested to see what happens with those running backs. And uh, we pretty, like I said, pretty standard, but certainly not a total wide receiver bro room, which is nice with Eckler and Bijan and Chubb already off the board here. Pretty standard. I will say with the Jacobs news, I tweeted about this as well. I would be a little concerned about Devante. I'm already concerned about Devante. I don't draft him that much. Um, I'm a known Jimmy G kind of hater, but I also, uh, even if I weren't, uh, I'm, I'm definitely very concerned about the fit with Devante and Jimmy G. I understand the thought process that Devante is QB proof and all that kind of stuff, but um, it's just a, a concern that I have now. Jacob's potentially holding out. There's some pretty serious issues. So anyway, we see here on my screen <clears throat> with my first round pick, Tyree Kill, I have 11% Devonta Smith, 11% T Higgins. I want to go look at uh, the old Ravens, 52% Mark Andrews with those guys. So I'm actually going to, I've got my, got my fair share of Mark Andrews and uh, Tyree Kill. There, 50% of my Tyree Kills teams in Best Ball Mania have Mark Andrews on them. So I am looking to kind of make sure I I don't I, I want a lot of that pairing, but I also don't want to have none of uh, these other pairings. So um does set me up if I want to do something with Hertz. Keeps me out in front of uh the wide receiver issues and uh lets me potentially scoop if I want to some value on the running backs also think I didn't mention him, but Ramondre Stevenson with uh, the latest news, the Patriots are now the betting favorite for Dalvin cook to sign there. Uh, we're going to, I think I suspect we'll get a dip on Ramondre Stevenson as well. So, you know, watching those guys and seeing kind of how just their ADPs evolve here over these next couple of weeks is, is really interesting. Um, you also see here, I have a good clip of, of Brees Hall, 11% in best ball mania, 19% overall and 22% with Tyree kill only 9% with Devonta Smith. So Brees has been my favorite third round running back all along, uh, including over Jacobs, including over Ramondre, et cetera, including over Derek Henry. But, uh, we shall see Hertz goes. I was considering Hertz there. Now I have to decide if I do want to do the Andrews thing again. Thinking out loud here. Let's think about this. Looking at the screen here. Andrews week 17, Brees week 15, Lamar week 17. And I think I can push those other running backs. I'm going to do Lamar here actually. I don't suspect, but because I have so much Andrews with Tyreek and a little less Lamar with Tyreek, I want to make sure I get my fair. And I love Lamar. Love, love, love Lamar. Love the Ravens. Give me Ravens stacks and Ravens onslaughts as much as I can get. Um, but just kind of using that as a little bit of a tiebreaker. You never know. I certainly would not expect Mark Andrews to fall back. Um, but also, I do like Brees a lot. I have a, a good amount of Brees and a decent amount of Brees with Tyreek already. Um, and it's potential if I wanted to dive into the Josh Jacobs sweepstakes, if he were to fall, 
uh, that would set me up to do so. Let's pull back the board up here. And so nothing super crazy in this draft in particular. Saquon still goes 18th overall. Ramondre goes 31st and Josh Jacobs goes 32nd. So a little bit of a fall, but nothing really that crazy. If we're being totally honest, not a major fall as of yet, but I suspect that's going to change. I suspect some of these, certainly all the quarterbacks, I think um, probably continue to go ahead of Ramondre Jacobs. Um, not necessarily Saquon, but I do think Saquon's going to fall here. But Ramondre Jacobs in particular, all the quarterbacks go ahead of. And I think we see Andrews for sure settle in ahead of Josh Jacobs and some of these wide receivers. You already saw Calvin Ridley and Amari Cooper go ahead of Jacobs in this draft and go ahead of Ramondre. I think Debo can get up there. I would not be super surprised if the Chargers guys got up there. I think we're. I, I think it's reasonably likely we start to get a good amount of fourth round Jacobs, maybe even fourth round Ramondre as people prep for Dalvin and as people people prep for this long kind of standoff, hold off, hold off, hold out from Josh Jacobs. Um, so we're setting up a little Ravens. Amen. To Jamie in the chat, Ravens all day. I'm loading up, baby. We are loading up on the Ravens and not thinking twice about it. So here's the question. You see very little. I'm actually going to take Hopkins here. I take a lot of DJ Moore, as you can see on your screen here. You know, a 25% DJ Moore. Very little DeAndre Hopkins. But uh, getting a totally reasonable price here on him. Talked about how I do, I am pretty down for the um, Titans. Love the playoff schedule. Got a little mini overlap in the playoff schedule where Devonta Smith plays the Seahawks in week 15 and Hopkins plays the Seahawks in week 16. So, you know, small, small things, not a big deal, but small, small little things. Um, and I had not drafted very much DeAndre Hopkins. And so, um, I want to, I'm not saying I'm going out of my way to draft him, but I'm kind of trying to draft all of these guys in this fourth, fifth round of wide receivers. And uh, I think Tannehill's going to rise and Tannehill makes uh, for a fun kind of cheap second quarterback on a Lamar team on a Ravens stack that I'll be looking to a little bit later. Let's see Aaron Jones fields falling was interesting. Maybe uh, I shouldn't have taken Lamar, I guess. Well, yeah, DJ Moore. I could have taken DJ Moore and possibly Fields here because uh, K Connection has uh, takes Ayuk. Son of a... All right. We're going to do one of my favorite things and take J.K. Dobbins with Lamar and with this starting to build out this Ravens deck. One thing I really like to do, um, it's good across the board in my opinion, but we've talked a lot about... Uh, in particular, if you've watched the Legendary Sickos weekly show that I do with Pat Corrine of Legendary Upside and Ship Chasing and, of course, Best Ball Mania 3 Championship $2 million fame. We've recently talked on, on recent episodes, which come out every Thursday here on this YouTube channel, ways to manufacture playoff leverage. And one of them in particular is... Stacking a team 
right? So I'm stacking the Ravens, but using including their running back with you know the quarterback in a a pass catcher or multiple pass catchers. In that scenario where this potentially hits in the playoffs, you can create you could potentially create leverage in a week where, let's say, in week 16 against sorry against the 49ers maybe not a great example because i know everybody's very scared of the 49ers defense let's say in week 15 they play the jags and it's a jk dobbins week maybe a down week for lamar my second my second quarterback let's say it's ryan Tannehill on this team they play the texans ryan Tannehill throws Three touchdowns, they all go to DeAndre Hopkins, but J.K. Dobbins is the Ravens smash in week 15, right? Gets me to advance. And now maybe I get a lower-owned Ravens passing stack moving forward in the playoffs. Maybe they don't even blow up in week 16, but they're good, right? I get through, get my Ravens stack into week 17, and all of a sudden we flip over the cards because J.K. Dobbins has had this great playoff run, poof, Lamar Jackson is low. Lamar Jackson to Rashad Bateman, maybe even, you know, fingers crossed Tyreek Hill on the other side. All of a sudden I have this low owned, maybe the best game stack or second best game stack right there with Bengals Chiefs is not super popular. It's underrepresented in the finals. And you can't guess what's going to be super popular in the playoffs. You can't guess what's going to be the most popular week 17 stack, right? George Kittle was one of the highest owned players in the week 17 final last year, Justin Jefferson, despite being a first round pick, a top part of the first round was the highest owned player in week 17 last year. Austin Eckler was the RB one overall in fantasy and available in the late first round of drafts and was not very popular. He's actually a big reason why Pat Crane won, but you can't get like, we have no way to project that, but we can do little things, little micro edges, pull little micro levers in our drafts to try to manufacture it across all of our teams. Right. And I, in particular with a rushing quarterback, I think it makes a lot of sense, right? If the quarterback goes nuts, Lamar Jackson, he's probably adding some juice with it, with his rushing that hurts JK Dobbins. So you're probably not even using JK Dobbins score in that week. But the flip side is also true. The weeks where J.K. Dobbins goes absolutely nuclear, he's rushing for a bunch of touchdowns, which are stealing it from your pass game. So they can kind of ping pong over the course of a season. They can all they can the whole offense does well. That helps you. That's a good thing. Oh, now Burks is here. I'm gonna see if I can push Burks. I'm gonna draft Jahan Dotson, one of my favorite kind of sixth, seventh round wide receivers. We're gonna see if we can push Burks down into the seventh round. See if he will fall. Vaporware says in the overflow draft, Barkley goes 19th. So pretty similar to this. Pretty close. Pretty, pretty, pretty close. Um, certainly falling from where they've been going most of the summer, but we not quite yet. It's day one of this news. Not quite yet to uh, peak levels where I suspect that they'll fall to. But we'll see. I could be wrong. I feel pretty confident that those guys are going to fall, especially as time goes on. And they're not like, that's something that happens a lot as time goes on. So Burks does fall all the way back. I do think I'm just going to take him here unless just looking at my, uh, I have a lot of interestingly, I have 30% Gabe Davis with 
Devonta Smith. So I kind of want to avoid that, actually. Just looking at some uh, correlations, there's really nothing. So we're, we are just going to take Burks here. If I had something to uh, give me a little bit of a tiebreaker in terms of kind of ownership, you know, exposure, um, I thought about something like a reach for, for Bateman but I want to see if we can push that a little bit. And if I have to settle for Zay Flowers, I'm okay. I'm okay settling for Zay for Zay here. But um, kind of wanted to go ahead and lock in this Titans. This Titans stack, which looks pretty tasty now. Not going to lie to you. Fourth round, DeAndre Hopkins. You know, seventh, maybe even eighth round, Traylon Burks. If you want to throw Chig in there with late round, Ryan Tannehill. That feels pretty good, which is crazy to say because I have not been excited about the Titans and you'll never get me to draft Derrick Henry. Not going to do it. Don't care. Not not falling for the old-ass running back. Also, my brand is way too important. We've made a brand fading Derrick Henry and drafting the Darrington Evans of the world. We go down with that ship. But it is funny with the Titans. Big narrative about Derrick Henry. Totally understandable. Plays the plays the Texans, right? And plays, yeah, I mean, his playoff schedule, the Titans playoff schedule is great. But it seems to be typically only discussed in it as it pertains to Derrick Henry when it's a great matchup for the whole offense. Derrick Henry didn't even smash in his last game against the Texans. Plus, the Texans have gotten better on defense. And they drafted Will Anderson. Uh, this year that should help with their their front at least they've certainly gotten better on defense this isn't the same Texans team of recent years but if we assume it is at least a decent matchup it is a decent matchup for all of the Titans and Derrick Henry can run for 150 yards if he doesn't score multiple touchdowns like sure 20 points is good but it's not like you had to have it other players are going to score 20 fantasy points if it's the pass game if it's Tannehill throwing four touchdowns, two of them go to Nuke, two of them go to Burks. Now that feels pretty fun. And I really like that bet. There go. God damn it. I'm going to have to make this into an Odell team. <sighs> Should have taken Bateman. But that's okay. I want to look at my, my Odell. Honestly, probably not the world's worst thing that I'm maybe forced into Odell here at a, at a certain point, because as you see here, obviously correlates green, uh, green for me, meaning you can also select the colors that show in your correlations and your exposures. Green meaning, you know, he correlates with uh, Lamar over here, but then the orange meaning uh, he correlates right in week 17. And I don't draft Odell very much, as you can see, 2% Odell, uh, 10% Odell with, Lamar, 4% Odell with Tyreek, zero Odell teams with Devonta Smith. So, um, yeah, we're coping. As our good friend Sacrilegious says, I'm very used to the copium that comes when you're forced into taking Odell. That's exactly what this is. This is straight copium. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to say I hate this spot in the draft so, so, so much. So much. 
All right, we're going to take a little Zach Charbonnet here. As you see on your screen, when I'm kind of trying to break some ties, I know it's a smidge before his ADP, but this is a pocket of the draft that is completely wide open to me. Absolutely no difference for me in really any of these guys. I don't draft Alvin Cook. We also talked about that on the most recent Legendary Sickos. Make sure to go check that out. Uh, As you see, I have uh, 1% dalvin cook across all tournaments and that was not intentional that was an auto draft i also don't draft michael thomas i don't draft alvin kamara um open to changing on all of these guys but as of right now i'm just trying to draft some other players and so in this just like totally wide open tier you see zach charbonnet there clearly i i'm not very running back heavy with just jk dobbins and uh you know he fits my week 16 Tennessee Titans in week 15 Devonta Smith with the Eagles also just you know second round pick rookie running back on a good offense no issues with Zach Charbonnet so just using using kind of what the hacker is giving me to break these ties I have some Zach Charbonnet I'm not crazy overweight so just a lot of these factors play in and poof uh, I think he makes the most sense so now here here the problem is Gonna, I'm going to have to freaking reach for Odell Beckham. <sighs> Pain. I don't suspect he's going to come back to me. I hate it. Odell Beckham, 11 picks before ADP, but we're cope. if we're going to cope, let's fucking cope. Let's full cope. Just deal with it. You did this by taking Traylon Burks. You did this to yourself. Honestly, you did it by taking DeAndre Hopkins. You started this stupid Titans thing. Spent 20 minutes talking about the Tennessee Titans. And that has now led you into drafting Odell Beckham. Now you've drafted DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham. On the same team. The pain is... (laughs) ML says the pain is palpable. That's a fact. Also a little bit of a tongue twister which is not what you need when you're tilting your face off because you just took Odell Beckham 11 picks before ADP. In fairness, this that whole little wide receiver, right? Tyler Boyd goes off the board. Odell was the third highest wide receiver by ADP, and it was Tyler Boyd, Alan Lazard, and Odell Beckham. The running back group, I obviously don't need a quarterback. The running back group is a ginormous tier, and we're in the tight end, what I would like kind of classify as the tight end dead zone. Um. And so it's one of those things where if it, if, if we had it to choose, we just get like sick about ADP value on everybody. Right. But you get into all these different pockets of the draft where it's like, well, I don't need or necessarily want a quarterback here. The running backs, there's like 10 of them. So one of them's probably getting back to me anyway. And the stack is the most important thing. I need Lamar Jackson. If he blows up and is the third round quarterback that you need, he's going to be throwing some fucking touchdowns. I want to benefit from those touchdowns, right? And I need that stack. It's the highest priority thing given everything else that's available on the board and given everything else that I have drafted on to my team. And like, you just got to weigh all those things when you come on the clock. And shout out to Casey, who's clearly the one who screwed me. Just took Zay, no big deal. No correlation, no nothing. Just felt, he's got a cool name. I get it. We, we've just been sitting here, the chat and myself, 
uh, Jamie, we've been out here hyping up the Ravens. So you felt you're, you're getting, it was, it was moving. It was all the Ravens chatter was making it move for Casey. And he forced me into Odell. Chris says I came in here to cure my depression and I'm leaving with more. That's uh, uh, if you titled a stream, you know, an Odell Beckham stream, I drafted Odell Beckham. This would be the tagline. Come to cure your depression, leave with more. The Odell Beckham best ball draft. Not in love, but as ML says, all right, one second. We are back on the clock. Damian Harris goes, which is probably good. If you saw on your screen there, uh, I have a whole lot, a whole, whole lot of uh, Damian Harris, a player who I don't have a lot of at the top of the queue here. I'm clearly in need of kind of uh, a little bit of running back juice. We're in this running back window that I love taking some Brian Robinson. I'm like, as you can see, I only have 4% Brian Robinson, so I'm not uh, super excited for him, obviously, for this season. But uh, he's been a little bit of a faller in this range. I take a ton of Damian Harris. He's my highest-owned player. I take lots of Rashad Penny. As you see here, I have lots of Eli Mitchell. Uh, 20, excuse me. 28% Eli Mitchell, and I have lots of Eli Mitchell with the players that I've already drafted. So um, I do have a little small bet here with Jahan Dotson on Washington, which could set me up. You know, So now I do have a little bit of setup for Sam Howell later, one of my guys. If the Tannehill thing doesn't work out, it gives me some flexibility. It gives me my bet on Washington. It gives me a smidgy of ADP value um, and a player who I, I'm I'm like not in love with Brian Robinson, but I, there's also no real reason why I have like no Brian Robinson. And so again, just kind of using the hacker here, if you will. And and here's another one, another guy I'm going to do this with. I'm breaking ties with kind of a lot of these things structural. I am in need of some running back juice and some running back upside. We're in this running back window. I despise all of the wide receivers and I have six of them already. And I have an elite quarterback and we're in the kind of dead area of tight ends. So when these running backs come up, right, take the guys who correlate and or our ADP values, which is what happened with Rob, B Rob and Khalil Herbert. And it's maybe smoothing out your portfolio. I don't love Brian Robinson and Khalil Herbert, but again, there's not necessarily a reason why I have none of them or I have none of them with these particular players, right? I'm going to draft a lot of Lamar. I'm going to draft a lot of Dobbins. I'm going to draft a lot of Tyree Kill. I'm going to draft a lot of yeah, Devonta Smith and Jahan Dotson, et cetera. So I don't want to have all the same players with those guys on every single team. There's no point. Like my bet isn't on 10 different players. My bet is on a handful of different players. And so I want to make sure that I'm getting all these different combinations around uh, these guys, my dog digging a hole to uh, God knows where over in the corner. Um, let's see. ML says, I read a report that Odell's expected to get a lot of red zone targets. I know it's gross, but I could see him getting two scores in week 17. Yeah. Um, if you were to Andrews, I guess I would bet, you know, to be the, the leader in red zone targets, but think about Bateman Odell and certainly Zay Odell is kind of the veteran clearly has been a good contested catch player. He's got some of the best contested catches in the history of football on his track record, a little older and stuff now, but I imagine that they do kind of trust him there. I don't want to be banking on hopes that you get a bunch of red zone targets in July, 
But, you know, Odell's my least favorite Raven. But I love the Ravens. And I don't want to have no Odell. I think his price is a little crazy. But he, he goes in this range, right, where it's like, I don't know, you tell me. Alan Lazard versus Odell Beckham. Tyler Boyd. All these wide receivers. There's no real reason I should take if I if I love the Ravens, there's no real reason I shouldn't have any Odell Beckham. So you just suck it up and you deal with the fact that your micro assessment about that player is not great. And you just say, if I'm betting on the Ravens and in particular this team, you gotta take them. The difference between, you know. It's not even just structural drafting. It's kind of a combination of structural drafting and um, other little levers that oppose your player take and oppose your player ranking and those kinds of things. And uh, it's not always just your your player take. Quite quite honestly, like you look at this team, my player takes. This is these are not my guys. <laughs> Lamar is, Dobbins is, Tyreek is, and uh, Devonta Smith. I mean, who doesn't like Devonta Smith and Dotson? So it's like. A handful of guys I really like and a handful of other guys I don't really like. And here's a guy I'm going to take that nobody likes, but we're swinging. We're going to get Dalton Kincaid as our tight end one here. He is a player who um, I was mostly out on to start the draft season. And I, I totally entered my dog, not in, not into Dalton Kincaid apparently either. I, I want to actually get a little bit overweight Dalton Kincaid. I'm not trying to go crazy and get uh, a billion percent Dalton Kincaid or anything like that. But I think we've reached a price now, right? A pick 141, almost in the 13th round, where we're into, if we're evaluating these players from an auction dollar perspective, $2, maybe $3. These are punts. Once you get into the third, even like, I know it doesn't feel like it, but like 13th, 14th, 15th round, guys are just punts they're dollar two three four dollar players in auction drafts if a first round pick a tight end that got drafted in the first round on the buffalo bills we were just clamoring for deandre hopkins to go to the buffalo bills because we know how high powered their offense is and we know that outside of stefan Diggs, there's no target competition we love gabe davis because of his spike weeks no pun intended upside but he's not going to be demanding a billion targets um i should have been paying attention a little bit better attention here i don't algier is typically my guy here but let's go and i love kendra we're gonna take kendra i just i have kendra just so much higher than tank not so much higher i have I really like Kendra Miller, clearly. You saw the exposure to Kendra, so we're balancing um, the player take versus, you know, I, just because Tank plays Baltimore in week 15 is not necessarily a reason to take him over a guy. You have much higher, got a little bit of ADP value, right? We're soaking back uh, back up ADP value. Kendra, eight picks after ADP. Uh, Khalil Herbert, five, right? B-Rob, six. We're making back up our ADP value on a couple of air quotes reaches uh, let me get the board back up here but dalton kincaid a guy that i really i really do want to get a little bit of an overweight stance on at this new price it's it's an incredibly cheap price we don't get a lot of opportunities um to draft a first a nfl first round pick first round pick 
that the team clearly prioritized by moving up to go get him. That is a really talented receiver. I understand the rookie tight end narrative. I get it. On the Buffalo Bills, with the potential to carve out a really huge target share. If you were to say one of these young tight ends that emerges into, you know, the Mark, the, the, the next Mark Andrews, the next George Kittle, the next whatever TJ Hawkinson, Kincaid is near the top of that list, if not at the top of that list. Now, there are lots of concerns. There is a reason why he, you know, isn't going in the fourth round or third round like Kyle Pitts did. But the market is certain that he's not going to be a full-time player. He's not going to be a fantasy star. But when you are good at the game, you figure out a way to get onto the field. You figure out a way to earn targets. Now at this new price, right? If he's going up, you know, the Njoku range, the Ingram range, the Friar Muth range, certainly Goddard area, Waller area, that's, you're kind of paying a really steep price in order to find out if he's going to be a star. Now, 13th round, right? 12th, 13th round, which is where we're headed. All of a sudden, the market is very certain that no one on the bills is really that valuable besides Stefan Diggs. And that's kind of crazy when you when you think about it. I think the scenarios in which Dalton Kincaid is a hit, I love doing it with this, where it's kind of late round tight end. Because if he emerges, again, as a first round NFL draft pick on one of the best offenses of the NFL with very little target competition, if he emerges, he's a stone cold smash. And I don't really want him Not that I don't want him. If a guy's a smash, it's great for you anyway. But the gains you make from someone like Dalton Kincaid on a team that doesn't have an elite tight end, you're saying, well, what if Kincaid becomes elite? Not that I don't want George Kittle with him, but the payoff, if he becomes George Kittle or better than George Kittle for fantasy, is massive if he's my first tight end. So um, there's my Dalton Kincaid right now. We're going to take... Are we going to take two Ricky tight ends and really just piss the people off? Just looking through some. Okay, we're at pick 164. We've got Titans set up. we got Washington set up. We're sitting at 1561, so we're pretty flexible. Not a ton of awesome correlation, and I don't. So I am going to take – we're going to, we're going to have a fun rookie tight end team here. We know we, we know we got the elite quarterback, so we're only going to need two of those two of those guys. So we take Sam Laporta, excuse me, who I do love as well. Sneaky, not a ton of target competition on the Lions. Amon Ra would be there. Stefan Diggs, Jamison Williams, when he comes back, would be there. Gabe Davis. And then, you know, the Jameer Gibbs is like the James Cook slash Damian Harris slash whatever, Latavius Murray. The Lions tight ends, even after TJ Hawkinson was gone last year, Brock Wright catching multiple touchdowns, Shane Zilstra, James Mitchell. These guys were producing for fantasy as a collective. It was just three dudes. If Laporta can kind of consolidate that as an early second round pick tight end, I think the rookie tight end thing is fascinating because we've we've sort of gotten a little bit out over our skis i feel like um let me look so not a lot of week 17 correlation obviously as you can see here when i click show playoff view i just have the miami baltimore little stack going on here 
pretty wide open though at what we can do the rest of the way, which is very nice. Quarterbacks are certainly falling, but none of these guys really make sense for me. I don't have any stacking partners with them. I want to be drafting Tannehill or Howell. Don't like a lot of the running backs, and I can wait on that a little bit. So I'm going to take a guy here who doesn't necessarily correlate um, you know, to the main teams, but does Paris Campbell. I, I, I want to make sure I have more of him, but he plays, as you can see here, New Orleans, who have Kendra, uh, and then the Eagles, who have Devonta Smith in weeks 15 and 16. And I also really uh, want to be targeting the Rams uh, really all year. Like if I'm playing weekly winners, uh, do you play the Rams? Yes. Okay, I like you. But in week 17, you know, any playoff week, but in week 17, I think the Rams are one of the most likely teams to be kind of the cores field of uh, of this year's NFL best ball. And um, I know Paris Campbell's risen up a little bit, but in this tournament, his ADP's mostly been stagnant here in the fast puppy. And I just, you know, I think I, you saw there, I had the 3% Paris Campbell or something like that. I want to get more of him onto my teams. I want to get more giants all around onto my teams. Um, sorry, I did not mean to uh, miss you guys. Uh, Chris asked, what do you consider a big prize pool? They have your eye for $5 with 75. K yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. It was your answering Clint. What's the lowest buying big prize pool on underdog. I'm not on there yet. Yeah. The, I would say these, these puppies they'll, you'll get some, maybe a little bit cheaper, right? To $4 or it, but generally somewhere around the $5 price point, like these puppies are, are where it's at to answer your question, Clint. This is hilarious. This was the Odell. We're going to change the title to the Odell Beckham stream because even the overflow draft wounded geese says just did the same thing in the overflow drafted Odell Beckham at one Oh one. Olaf asks anybody like the Cincy rookie wide receivers. Um, I do like Charlie Jones. Uh, a little bit more on DraftKings, a little bit more on weekly winners, but I'm going to have a sprinkle of Charlie Jones in the last round of these drafts. Probably a little bit more in Best Ball Mania, where, my God, it's so top-heavy. There's regular season prizes, and he could be um, a guy that can really catapult you up as an 18th-round pick, but also a really, really, really low probability <laughs> 18th-round pick. They all are, but he certainly is. Um but I, I like Charlie Jones. Great. He was, so, if you, if you watched college football, or you played college football DFS in particular. I mean, you just like had to play him this year at Purdue almost didn't matter. The matchup, the guy was just drawing 16, 17 targets in games and was effective in the big 10. Um, Greg says in terms of CLV, you could see some Kincaid, could see Kincaid scream right back up the board after a nice preseason highlight or two. 100%, right? They come out in week two of the preseason, starters on the first drive. He plays every snap, and he catches a touchdown. You think he's going to go in the 140s? No, because that would tell everyone uh, there's at least an inkling that, oh, shit, we were wrong, <laughs> right? We were wrong about, uh, about Kincaid. Um, I think I want... Oof, woof, woof, woof. So I think we're going to 2682 this probably. There's all those. We're going to take Jalen Hyatt. 
little smidge early, but again, you see, you know, I wanted to get some giants going on here. We're going to take another running back and another quarterback and ride with the rookie. Ride with the rookie uh, tight ends. I, I, I love doing these kinds of player combinations that uh, we know our opponents are uncomfortable with doing. I'm like the thing about best ball is you're probably most likely just not going to lose only two out of 12 teams advance or you're, you're just not going to win. I know on, on any given individual team, only two out of 12 teams advance. Even if you advance, you don't make a whole lot of, whole lot of money. I like to do some of the things that other people are uncomfortable with doing and the double rookie tight end is absolutely one of them. But the upside, I, I, I think anyone would be able to tell you that the rookie tight end narrative is an average across most of the tight ends. And the most likely scenario is that they're not smashes, but it can happen. And the NFL is evolving. And these guys are becoming largely just like wide receivers. It's not the same game as 10, 15 years ago when the rookie tight ends were like really not going to make it. Um, Look at last year. It was not till the end of the season, but Trey McBride pops up finally in week 17, actually with a big game. Isaiah likely had some productive moments throughout the course of the entire season. And when Mark Andrews missed, Isaiah likely was the tight end one as the absolute smash drawn double digit targets. So um, here in the 17th round, we're just going to go ahead and lock up Ryan Tannehill. Just want to double check. Yeah. Okay. We're just going to lock up Ryan Tannehill. And then because, so we, we take Tannehill there. You might say, why did you take Tannehill? You know, 15 picks ahead of ADP. A, these end of these 17th, 18th round, I'll be honest, I don't care. I don't really care about ADP. Um, the last thing you want happen, you want to happen in this is you get to the end and you're stubborn about whether you have Zamir White or any other running. Now, Zamir White's maybe a bad example <laughs> with the Josh Jacobs news, but being stubborn, all these late round guys particularly at running back and wide receiver are just scratch off lottery tickets. So don't be so stubborn to ADP in the 17th round that you screw up your team with that quarterback, right? If your team needs Sam, Howell, take him. If your team needs Ryan Tannehill, take him, whether you have right Malik Davis versus Kyron Williams versus CPAT versus whatever, they're all the same bet. Not all the quarterbacks are the same bet on your team. You need to make sure that you get the appropriate guy when it makes sense to get the appropriate guy. ADP be damned. I'm not saying take Tannehill in the 15th round. You don't need to go that far. But like people will say, oh, you could have just waited. Like, But there's no upside in waiting. The upside is you get uh, the same scratch-off lottery ticket running back. The uh, downside is your whole team, your whole team isn't ruined. You can win without Ryan Tannehill, but you you – built this team for Ryan Tannehill or, or Sam Howell and they both go and you ruined your team because you wanted to get the guy you wanted your, your brain was telling you, ah, but that ADP thing that I see on my screen, I need, I need that. Um, let's see here. <laughs> yeah. Kincaid gets three targets on the first drive and Moss is a future Safeway employee to, uh, to trying to earn a practice squad pot. Jesus Christ. I can't read. Moss is a future Safeway 
employee trying to earn a practice squad spot. He's flying up the board. But yeah, you know that'll happen. Remember Marquez Callaway? I'm sure everybody that's been drafting in best ball land remembers Marquez Callaway because, uh, yeah, you want to talk about a screamer up the board? <laughs> that was it. All right, I got to... I want to make sure that you're still around here. I got a guy I'm specifically targeting on this team. Where? What? There we go. So I mentioned the Rams before. I actually prefer, I know Sony Michelle signed there. I actually prefer Kyron Williams to, uh, why the hell is this? To um, uh, Zach Evans or, or Sony Michelle. And um, I get if, if you don't, but also, just quickly, the most important thing you see on your screen here is the fact that he correlates. I don't have a ton of him. He correlates across every single playoff week, and I'm looking for a running back at this spot in the draft. So it gives me, you know, so now we look, right? So here's my teams, my, my kind of team exposures. So if you click on team view, I'm on the team view here. Lamar, Dobbins, and Odell. Tannehill, Hopkins, Burks, and I got some little secondary stacks with Brian Robinson and Jahan Dotson and Paris Campbell and Jalen Hyatt. Then the rest of my players are kind of spread out amongst those teams. But then I go look at the playoffs. I go look at week 17. Getting Kyron Williams, if I just said I'm worried about the Rams by the end of the season and that the Rams are tanking at the end of the year, Kyron Williams is more likely to play. Now I got a little fun, super, super late, super, super cheap Giants, Rams, game stack to go with my Ravens and Dolphins in week 17. If I look at week 16, which you can you can click here and you can view any single week. I know you can't see on your screen, but you can look in week one. Like We can look at week one. If we, if we want to look at my week one game stacks, oh baby, Titans, Saints, and Rams. I don't think Kyron's going to be dominating the Seahawks in week one, but you never know. We look at week 16. Look at that. Got the Titans with our little Zach Charbonnet bring back. The Giants play my Devonta Smith. And then Kendra and Kyron play in week 16. And in week 15, some more crossover, right? Giants play the Saints. So now I got Kendra. My Giants guys are playing uh, against somebody every single playoff week. And so is Kyron Williams. Every single playoff week, I've got this, this correlation built in. I also have it with Devonta Smith, right? Uh, not in week 17 because I don't have a Cardinal. But get the point, mixing and matching through these little bit of, of correlations, and you can see it here uh, on your screen, uh, is, is pretty fun. But to close out, you can see my, my team here. We talked a lot about the, uh, the running back chaos at the beginning of this show and the Titans. I did not soak up any of the – and there really wasn't quite the running back falls that I'm expecting to happen, but I am expecting it to happen moving forward. But we started – from the 104 with Tyreek Hill came back with Devonta Smith in the second round, Lamar Jackson, then Deandre Hopkins, JK Dobbins, Jahan Dotson and Traylon Burks. So we set up our Titan stack. We set up the Baltimore Ravens and then these assholes in this draft, humble legend takes Rashad Bateman and our boy Casey takes Zay flowers. No correlation. Shitheads. I guess Humble Legend has correlation. But that leads me to take Zach Charbonnet and Odell Beckham in the eighth and ninth rounds. Brian Robinson, Khalil Herbert, Dalton Kincaid, Kendra Miller, Sam Laporta, and then Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, Ryan Tannehill, and Kyron Williams. I love to do those little things at the end of drafts where 
I would I would love to not have to uh, what we would call an oh shit stack. Uh, Rob and I would call an oh shit stack, meaning I don't want to get to the end and have to draft a quarterback that's uncorrelated with my team. So I like setting up my late round quarterbacks like we did here with Ryan Tannehill. Right. And I was also set for Sam Howell. So I had two different ways that I could go with that second quarterback that I'm taking with Lamar Jackson, but I can also build in these little mini correlations with my late round wide receivers and running backs and the giants and Rams actually are such a good one to do. So there's an infinite amount of giants and Rams available late in drafts, right? Slayton Hodgins, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt um, on the Ram side two two. Uh, Higby's a little bit earlier, Vans a little bit earlier, but still, and then all the Rams running backs, backup running backs to Cam Akers are available there. All the Giants backup running backs. Now there's a little more upside with those guys with Saquon, right? Eric Gray, Matt Breida, Gary Brightwell. Pick your flavor. All those guys are available back here, and you can create some fun little correlations. Could be one Giant, one Ram, two Rams, one Giant, vice versa. But you can do these things, and they're not the only team you can do this with. Uh, the only game that you can do this with or the only uh, correlations you can do at the end of drafts. But I love kind of building those out at the very end of drafts. Um, That's going to do it. That was a really fun, fast puppy. Be on the lookout for, we are through six rounds of our DraftKings $555 draft uh, and soon to be through eight rounds where our next video will come out building a killer team in the DraftKings high stakes Millie maker um, just to hit. Sorry. I, I know I'm scrolling back and, and being obnoxious, but uh, Clint Clint, if you're not on underdog yet, if you see in your, if you see in your, if you use promo code spike and get a hundred percent deposit bonus a uh, hundred bucks, get you 20 entries into the the puppy or the next puppy and they'll give you a free hundred bucks if you use promo code spike so check that out uh check out our good friends at drafters drafters drafters.com uh cumulative scoring best ball you can also use promo code spike there and you can get a free month of a spike week subscription if you sign up with drafters that'll do it for us tonight we'll be back tomorrow probably with our next video in our DraftKings draft and also with our spike weeks that goes tuesday night show last thing i'll also be on pat kareen uh legendary sickos co-host with me founder of legendary upside is running a special stream tomorrow seven hours with 18 different people uh to commemorate his best ball mania three winning team that was drafted on july 18th uh and i will be on there myself and sean siegel at I can't remember what time noon 11 sometime around lunchtime. You can join me and Pat and Sean tomorrow there. And we'll be back here on this YouTube tomorrow evening. Catch you guys later. Have a good one. Peace. Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at spike week. Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date? That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week.